Unlock the power of your mind. This is Provocative Enlightenment with Eldon Taylor. Welcome and thank you for tuning in today. This is an hour dedicated to understanding what enlightenment means and what it just might be to be enlightened. Indeed, an hour devoted to learning something more about ourselves, an hour for those who dare to challenge some of those old ideas about the world we live in and the people we have become. An hour for the adventuresome, willing to evaluate their experience as inseparable from the total knowing of their reality. I'm Eldon Taylor, and this is Provocative Enlightenment. Every week I read some of your letters as our way of honoring the very important role you play in making this show successful. Last week, our guest was Lisa McCourt, and we spent an hour speaking of Juicy Joy. Mod Girl from our chat room wrote, Lisa seems to have a focused, specific approach. She is so excited about her subject, it's infectious. Richard added, more solid and believable content than I had expected. Donna wrote, I always love your shows and never quite know what to expect. Sometimes you're off in very heady discussions, and sometimes the energy of your show seems to set me bouncing. I love both, but your show with Lisa McCourt had me singing and feeling great about myself. Thank you for what you do and everything you give to the world. Heady conversations. We don't do that around here, do we? We have fun. Okay. That's what life's about, is having fun. Kieran wrote, enjoying your radio shows on Hay House all the way over here in New Zealand. Neil left this message when he picked up his free Intertalk downloads. Thank you for the extra help. I first heard you on Coast to Coast and look forward to more. Thanks again. May peace be with you. Well, and right back at you, Neil. For all of you, remember, you too can pick up your free Intertalk programs by simply going to my website and choosing free programs from the left-hand navigation pane. This is the real deal. The programs are not samples. This is the patented and proven effective technology that so many scientific studies have repeatedly verified. So get yours today. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for my free newsletter. Jillian wrote, I love your products. I can't believe the difference InterTalk has made to members of my family, friends, and me. It feels even better knowing it was me who introduced it to them. Thank you. Well, thank you, Jillian, for your feedback, and we're thrilled for you and your family. Shuhei, and I hope I'm saying that correctly, Shuhei wrote, love your tapes, CDs, and website. Thank you for providing such a powerful insight. Diana wrote, I heard you on Coast to Coast and was impressed with your observations on how our culture, media, affects us and how we tie ourselves into our belief structures. You can bet I'm going to share your knowledge with people I know. Well, great, Diana. However, be ready for some recoil. Not everyone is willing to listen, but remember those with ears will hear. Teresa wrote, I love your talk show on Hay House Radio. I find your subjects fascinating and informative. I can't wait to get your new book. Love your work. Well, thank you, Teresa. Lester wrote, your new book, I believe, should be required reading for everyone. I am so impressed with how well you have distilled the importance of our every little belief. I honestly had never thought of them in the web-like way that they grip us. Thank you for this profound and timely masterpiece. I like that one. Wow. Okay. Thank you for your feedback, Lester. And while we're on the subject, the ebook version of I Believe was released late last week. Now, I mean, we're sold out. Hay House is back ordered now. I heard yesterday over 5,000 copies. So uh, 
you know, it might be the way to go is to get the ebook version. So you can now get it anyway for your Nook or Kindle or iPad and so forth, and you'll still get the bonus Intertalk CD as a download. Check it out. You won't regret it. I really believe this book can be a genuine game changer. Okay, now, Rav, this one was directed to you in last week's chat room. Jen wrote, Ravinder, I wanted to tell you I have been playing the free download from the book, and my son, three, an autistic, started saying complete sentences. He was saying phrases. I am truly, truly thankful. Well, I'm thrilled for you, Jen. I know Ravinder is, too. Do you want to add anything to that, Rav? I think that's fabulous. You know, I enjoy hearing those kinds of stories. But, you know, we've actually had a few of those regarding um, children with autism working with our programs. And it's not just one particular title. I think it has more to do with the technology itself. Simultaneous delivery. I'm certain of that. That, Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Saying that being said, uh, we also do get lots of comments from parents who's who, you know, have their kids work with the programs and they all report. I mean, I've heard from people saying that their kids learn to talk faster that way. They just learn faster if they're um subjected to the inner talk programs real real young you know i remember and i know you know who i'm talking about a very famous quarterback who i can't mention because of you know mm-hmm. agreements publicity arrangements and things of that nature who almost in tears talking about how his son initially began speaking to him you know i had that telephone conversation with his agent and it was i mean incredible and if you think about it that's that's really really pretty impacting that you know you you work so hard with a, a child and then suddenly they begin talking to you and expressing that has to be just a spectacular moment it is one it's day i do fabulous. think we'll find a way that we reverse that situation uh, uh, but today it it's it's still a very moving target and it's just a tragedy that uh, the numbers of autistic children are growing as rapidly as they are in our society well all right that's all the time we're going to take for letters today but i do invite you to opine by sending your email to eldon at eldontaylor.com or by joining me on facebook we can't uh, get all of your letters on the air but they do impact our programming and i thank you for your feedback and support Now to today's show, Holistic Nursing and Rituals of Healing. Barbara Montgomery Dossi, RN, Ph.D., is expanding the domain of traditional nursing. She articulates how healing is promoted by attending to the delicate interaction of body, mind, and spirit, and how centuries-old concepts can be successfully applied in the care of patients today. Barbara is a fellow of the American Academy of Nursing. She is certified in holistic nursing. She is a nine-time recipient, nine-time recipient of the prestigious American Journal of Nursing uh, Book of the Year Award. She was awarded the 1985 Holistic Nurse of the Year by American Holistic Nurses Association, the 1998 Healer of the Year by the Nurse Healers Professional Associates International, the 1999 Pioneering Spirit Award by the American Association of Critical Care Nurses, to mention but a few of the many outstanding awards she has earned during her prestigious career. Dr. Barbara Dossie is the author of many award-winning books, but today we're going to focus on her book, Holistic Nursing, a Handbook for Practice. 
This is a book that guides nurses in the art and science of holistic nursing and offers ways of thinking, practicing, and responding to bring healing to the forefront of healthcare. Using self-assessments, relaxation, imagery, nutrition, and exercise, the book presents expanded strategies for enhancing psychophysiology. Now, you'll discover today during this show that this book has a great utility for everyone, not just nurses, concerned with or about wellness. So let's get her in here. Welcome to Provocative Enlightenment, Dr. Barbara Montgomery Dossey. Eldon, thanks so much. Reverenda, good to hear your voice after all of our emails. And I would like to start by saying uh, I want to say your book, I believe it just came a couple of days ago, is really remarkable. And uh, I, too, recommend it to, to all the listeners that have joined us today. Congratulations. Oh, well, thank you very, very much. That's that's very kind of you. <laughs> your, your wonderful husband, of course, has given an endorsement that is on the cover of the book. So maybe that intimidates you into your... <laughs> I'm just teasing. Tell us, tell uh, us a little bit to, to get started about yourself and and why you decided to go into nursing. Well, uh, I will say that it has been a journey that uh, is going on 47 years now. Uh, I began in the early 60s at a time when we really honored caring and healing. Uh, my background started out in critical care and cardiovascular nursing, and that was my focus for 25 years, and then uh, began to uh, incorporate non-traditional, what we call complementary and alternative therapies, um, early on, and I am very happy to see that this language is beginning to be understood and um, the ways in which we use integral integrative and holistic are beginning to be understood. So the main reason I started this is I very early recognized that there was more than just technology. So what does a nurse do once he or she has given all the medications, the surgeries have been done, and this patient is still anxious and fearful? So as I began my own personal journey of understanding um, the shifts in consciousness, uh, my practice at the bedside changed. My research, my writing, uh, the way I walked in the world uh, changed. And I will also say that along the way, I um, have many, many colleagues that began to understand this, and I love working with uh, colleagues, which you can see within that book and the many contributors that have worked with that. I'm thrilled to say I'm a founding member of the American Holistic Nurses Association, and that journey has uh, been a remarkable uh, part of my life. You know, your husband joined us a few months back, and he spoke right. with great pride about your work and, and, and the progress you have made with that work. And, and, and I have had the advantage of looking at your book and, and looking at your background, who you are, et cetera. But, but share with our audience, if you will, some of the things, the specific things in healthcare that you've been able to see change or at least some part of change, including attitudes, as, as you mentioned, as a result of your efforts during your career in healthcare. Well, I think some of the uh, major focused areas that are very practical is the use of guided imagery 
and relaxation preparing people for procedures. When Larry and I began to look at the shifts in consciousness to truly integrate the patient's or clients' consciousness in their own behalf before procedures, uh, this was a whole new area. People just went, you know, what in the world? But to begin to do this as practitioners and to begin to keep logs and record what happened, we began to shift. So let me just give an example. Example. Um, a patient getting ready to go for surgery, extremely fearful, and in, and having um, about an hour before he went to surgery, I just said, tell me what's going on. And he said, I'm afraid that I'm going to die in surgery, and my wife will not know how to write the checkbook. And more than anything, I am very fearful. I've got about five investments and it is going to, it could even kill her. She's just going to be so upset. And so I called the physician. I looked at the surgery schedule to see what was going on, but I felt very strongly that this patient would do much better if we delayed this for a little bit and there was an opening. I called the surgeon. I said, this is the kind of people that we have talked about that really are fearful and have complications at surgery. This is a story that I've just been told. And he said, why don't we, um, let's, um, Let's schedule this in about an hour and a half from now. So in that period of time, uh, was able to um, get his wife in, to get his attorney in, and to relieve him of this anxiety. And he, his wife was very, uh, you know, very excited that she knew this. And yes, she was a little bit irritated, but the fact that the depth of conversation that took place uh, place in a very short period of time was extraordinary. And then uh, when he came back from surgery to begin to use relaxation and imagery after he had, and it was um, uh, a procedure that um, did not cause a lot of physical pain, it was more around the anxiety. But putting all of that together was very, very useful. And some of the strategies that he began to use in his own behalf, and then to have colleagues that followed me and taking care of him for the next couple of days, uh, was very uh, consistent. And he made great progress in decreasing his own anxiety and frustration. Uh, the other thing that was very interesting, too, is he also made a commitment that he was going to change the course of his heart disease. And this was in the early days of Dean Ornish's work that heart disease can be reversed. Mm -hmm. And this guy did make uh, major changes. And I followed him off and on for over a year. He dropped about 40 pounds. He reduced the stress in his life and um, began to move forward. You know, you just described optimal health care. You that know, that's, that's, that's the word care. That's what care means. Right. Now, your book is used as a textbook by some for nursing. Correct. So there are, are several areas that I found quite remarkable considering who typically would be in the market for your work and, and what our perception of, of those people would be. I mean, for example, you set out theoretical chakra emotion-based relationships in your discussion about energy healing. Right. One of your recommended exercises 
calls for the intuitive experience of chakras. So now, please share with us this exercise so everyone might try it at home and tell us the kind of feedback that you might typically receive from those in an allopathic universe educated in a, you know, in a, in a very Western traditional way, if you will. Right. Uh, I think it is important to say that that is one of 37 chapters uh, within the textbook. True, true, true. Uh, uh, we are energy fields. In order to do this work with uh, a, a patient, and usually the terminology is when people are in the acute care or chronic care, they're referred to as patients, and in the outpatient setting, clients. Uh, so would the listener just, you know, go with me when I say, um, let's say just um, I'll stick with patient right now. So as far as a specific way of working with us, what I will do as a nurse is, number one, focus and center myself. In order to engage in a deep dialogue uh, with a patient, it's very important for me to understand his or her worldview. And so just beginning to ask a simple question. You don't dive right into this, but uh, acknowledging first what's going on with this person. What is it that they are most concerned about? Because in order to connect deeply with another, this is not about my agenda as a nurse. It's about me connecting with this patient and finding out the things they are most concerned about. So let's say if it's a patient getting ready to go for a surgery and they say, I am just so fearful about taking the, uh, having the anesthesia. What if I don't wake up? Well, what am I hearing from that person right now? I am hearing that they are blocking, they are anxious, and how can I use my voice as a therapeutic instrument in the healing process? And at that particular point, I would begin to watch patterns that I can observe within this person, and then those patterns that I intuitively feel that I cannot see or I do not know. And uh, my way of doing it would be to ask uh, that person some specifics about them. Uh, and the way I work with uh, energy, energy healing is to invite them to find out what their favorite colors are, uh, what they know about the rhythmic breathing process, and then I will begin to, uh, again, listening to their story, where do they feel the tension and tightness in their body? Is it in their head? Is it in their gut? Uh, is it in their feet? Uh, and listening to their story. So I, we give a lot of suggestions in the book, and there are many chapters with different ways, but that is the key, I believe, in letting this work evolve is finding out what specifically is going on right in this very moment with that person. It, while we're on this subject, I have to ask you, because, you know, you, you ask specific colors. What, what is your favorite color? How does that relate, in your view, I mean, the answer that you might uh, solicit with that question, to uh, assisting you in uh, understanding the client or the patient? Well, one of the things is, first of all, um, as the, the guide in this process, my responsibility is not to change quickly. 
For example, if the patient says to me, I am so anxious, right now all I can see is a black hole. So what I would do is I would invite them and say, can you imagine what it would be like if that color could shift just a little bit? Is it a possibility that you might see just a teeny speck of light? And again, wrapping the whole story around it. And what, you will, what I will listen for are specific words of an opening. If that person is in a funk and a deep hole, I have to be careful not to shift fast. I have to be willing to work with that person to let him or her begin to lift up a space from where they are. And what I find in doing this work is that when when I am coming from my deepest, most present self, and I would also like to say the importance of doing this work is that nurses and other healthcare providers and healers of other traditions that are doing this work, they recognize the importance of intention. And intention is that I am a facilitator of a process. I don't get my, I have to get my ego out of the way in order to connect with this person at a level that can be healing. So if I'm trying to make something happen, and guess what? Sometimes I may find that I rush, but it's very clear because I don't feel right in what's going on. I lose my center. And then what I do is I invite the patient with me to take a breath in and a breath out and a breath in and out. And I often use the metaphors of let's just go a little deeper and just imagine that we can see a clear surface of water and what is it like to go below the level of the surface and to find a place there where we can access more information. People might want to bathe themselves in a color, which is very useful. And when you look at um, the uh, experience of moving energy, again, uh, putting all the pieces together that I observe, that I hear, see, feel, uh, and can experience with that person, moving the energy from head to toe, wrapping it all the way around, let's say if it goes around the front of the body, then lifting it across the head to the back, going all the way down to the feet, and then letting it flow that way, and then asking with a nod from the patient, is it okay to begin to move that energy and that color? You're, 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 hip, you're hypnotizing me. If I ever need a nurse, you, you have got to be on call. When we come back, we have a hard break in front of us. When we come back, we'll talk about hypnosis and some of these other things with our guest today. The book is Holistic Nursing. If you, uh, if you provide care for anyone or have an interest in excellent self-care, then you want this book. If you're not in our chat room, get there now. We have a film of our guest today, Dr. Barbara Dossie. Be sure to stay tuned. We'll be right back after these words from some of our friends. Have you talked to yourself lately? 
What does that inner voice say? Are you constantly hearing negative feedback? Ready for a change? Inner Talk, Eldon Taylor's patented subliminal technology, can do just that. Change your inner self-talk. Turn off the negative by replacing it with positive affirmations. Inner Talk has been researched at universities such as Stanford and by governments around the world and has been proven effective at priming your self-talk. Armed with a new positive outlook, you'll find everything becomes easier. From losing weight to stop smoking, giving presentations to riding horses, learn new things to being a powerful salesperson. Choose your title for change today. Visit www.innertalk.com. That's I-N-N-E-R-T-A-L-K.com. Innertalk.com. Every day, every moment, we face choices. Yet, how many of those choices are truly our own? Are you ready to step onto the path of discovery? Read Eldon Taylor's New York Times bestseller, Choices and Illusions, now revised, updated, and expanded. Eldon combines provocative information, scientific research, and his own life's journey into a powerful message that we have the power to change. All we must do is be willing to choose to take the chance and change. Get your copy today from all bookstores. Unlock the power of your mind. This is Provocative Enlightenment with Eldon Taylor. And welcome back. If you just joined us, we're talking with Dr. Barbara Dossi about holistic care. But before we get back to today's show, I want to remind you to like our Facebook fan page for Provocative Enlightenment Radio. As a fan, you will always know where we are and what's on next. I would also like to invite you to join me on Facebook while you're there. And if you like our show, do please spread the word. We genuinely appreciate your support. Okay, before the break, we were discussing how Dr. Dossie used colors. Uh, and, and so I have to ask you, you discuss auras in your book. Years ago, the work of a Russian married couple, the Curlians, led to the development and use of Curlian photography for diagnostic and prognostication purposes. Um, in other words, and, and I'm sure you're aware of this, the aura, or as it's sometimes called in science, bioplasma, was seen as being capable of indic- uh, indicating disease. So, so my two-part question, Dr. Dossi, one, are you familiar with their work, and two, do you see auras yourself, sense them, feel them, or deal with patients in this way? I don't know that work. I will have to look that up. And uh, yes, and I don't consistently see them, but what I do is more feel. So uh, using the uh, questions that you have just posed here, I think that what would be very useful is for us to look at why we're having this discussion right now. We Good. have a lot of stress. Uh, in being alive as a human right now. <laughs> and much of the focus in healthcare is on curing. And I'm specifically speaking of about the, the elimination, the resolution, or the eradication of disease symptoms. And this may or may not end a patient's distress or his or her suffering. Uh, the, the understanding of energy and auras, relaxation, imagery, self-suggestion. This is about healing. And the key that 
is so important is that every one of us are on this lifelong journey into wholeness. And we have many ways to engage uh, of how we can seek harmony and balance in our own life. And when we do it in our own life, this requires us going into our own interiority. Many people, when they get frustrated and anxious, they look for something outside themselves. Now, speaking about your tapes, that would be using an external CD, but what it is doing, it is help guiding, it's helping teach that person to access that profound depth of healing that they have within themselves. So it is this interiority that is so important that each of us must take quality time every day to get in touch with... um, the, the guidance that resides within us. And what may work for me may not work for you. And we only know what our best tools are when we take that time. And frequently what happens is an alarm clock will go off at 5.30 or 6 in the morning. It is then hopefully getting something to eat. But frequently we know that people don't eat. And if they eat, they get a cup of coffee and a croissant which is not eating nutritiously to get them going for the day. Uh, And then it's nonstop, and it may be all day before they even acknowledge that they haven't taken any time. So this is what is important in this journey, is how do we learn how to access to recognize our own ultradian rhythms? And that is something that is born within us. We, We can't not have it. It is part of who we are. And about every 60 to 90 minutes, our body wants to take a short break. We want to go to the bathroom. We want something to eat or drink. But frequently what happens is we override it. And this is what starts that spiral that is a downward spiral of distress and frustration. So one of the the keys in this work is how do we care for ourselves? Uh, Life is very complex. And um, back to the earlier work in the show that I was speaking about, how do I find my intention in working with another? And that requires that I do my own self-development. And within that, I put self-assessments, self-care, and deep self-reflection. So in my practice of sitting quietly, uh, it is not any... uh, specific one way of doing it, but what happens for me is I I like the metaphor and I find it very useful that when I find that still point within myself, this is what creates in meditation what we say, soft front, strong back. So I am able to be with someone and listen to their story, their suffering, their journey, their confusion. And I don't take it in, but what I'm able to do is listen and listen for the key points and then move it back to that person to begin to work with. And so this is, this is key in the work right now. How can we care for ourselves so we can be there fully for another person? Now, you know, I, I mean, I love that. That's absolutely wonderful. 
Uh, but it, it also translates, and I guess that's what I, the point I'd like to make here. It translates to the individual because when you are finding that point within yourself, you're actually healing yourself, are you not, Doctor Dossi? Oh, oh, absolutely. And of what? So, so if, if our audience uses the same strategy, the same tools, the same techniques that you teach other nurses to use right. to help yeah. patients, they're actually helping themselves. Well, that that's it. If, if you're engaged in this deep work, and I know many of your listeners are, that's why they tune into your program, is what is a way that I can be at my highest potential all day long, and it requires doing one's inner work. And I think that another way to um, focus this discussion is to... Um, Acknowledge what it means when we create healing rituals. And there are ways that we can define this. Traditional rituals are those things that are handed down and that there is a customary way of doing things. For example, uh, in the Christian holidays, we're beginning to uh, move into a time of Easter. People will be acknowledging this work in their family of origin. Uh, but they will also now be doing self-generated uh, rituals uh, that have no history except ones that are working for them right now that they have created. So we can translate this even further. What is a ritual of healing that someone may use? And we have spoken about several of these. If we feel our energy is blocked, how do we sit calmly and quietly to access moving energy again Is it through the breath? Is it through relaxation? Is it through color? Is it through imagery? Or any way, but it is, in doing that, what it does is it helps us go to what I call a sacred space of our mind and our consciousness. And when we are able to move into this space, it helps us honor who we are, and it helps us then access and evoke a, uh, a healing source or a higher power, whatever it is that that person names or connects to. And it is in this sense that we then move into the major characteristics and healing rituals, and that is intention. So we acknowledge the part of ourselves that needs to be changed, to be healed. Uh, we give attention to ourselves. Also, this requires time, and it is, yes, learning very short strategies, one to two seconds as well as one to three minutes, and incorporating that all day long. It's also finding a place to incorporate this during the day. And like what we are doing here, we have a virtual community. It is connecting and learning with people and others uh, some new possibilities. So I think that uh, we have uh, some tremendous things that we can do. Um, do you want to stop here before we go further? No, no, no. I, I was just going to ask you. I mean, it's obvious you have a deep spiritual understanding and commitment. And and that that comes through not just in this interview, but in, in your book. Mm-hmm. So it becomes clear to me that it seems almost an imperative prerequisite uh, that to to follow your model and be a good nurse or, or, or to to follow your model and do good self-care, 
you basically have to have a spiritual connection. Am I reading that correct? <laughs> oh, you are, and people may call it something different. Uh, and I would like to even take this time to go back and look at the philosophical foundation with which nurses today in the world work, and there are 15 Please million do. nurses worldwide, and that is the life of Florence Nightingale. Uh, many people may not know that she was born in 1820 and she died in 1910. Nightingale left us over 14,000 letters in the archives, and what she wrote about, we aren't even beginning to uh, access. Uh, we're we're there, but uh, but I want to say there's so much more that we can do. And any time we get frustrated, all we have to do is go back and look at her work that is very accessible in many books, and a lot of her letters are now um, electronic, and you can go to the collected works of Florence Nightingale as well as uh, my book, Florence Nightingale, Mystic, Visionary, Healer, and look at some of this work. Which, Uh, by the way, is a wonderful book. uh, Thank you. Uh, I think uh, one of the things that is key here is that Florence Nightingale, indeed, is recognized as a 19th century mystic. And in doing my work and others, um, you know, have recognized this too, is I use the uh, framework of Evelyn Underhill, who is the definitive writer in Western mysticism. And in developing this too, I'm not speaking about Eastern mysticism, I'm speaking about Western mysticism. And in, in that, Evelyn Underhill, in her classic text, title mysticism that came out in 1911, she um, defines mysticism as that direct experience of God. And for Nightingale then, uh, calling her a mystic, uh, Underhill would define uh, a mystic as a person who's had a direct personal knowledge of God. And she's focused on more he or she more than religious belief. So Nightingale heard the voice of God just before her 17th year, and then she records three other times in her life hearing the voice of God. So when you go through her life work, living 90 years and three months, uh, she definitely goes through those five phases of mystic spiritual development that can apply to us in our work today. The first is awakening. And I would imagine that the people listening, I don't imagine, why do people listen to your show? Why do they read your work and listen to uh, this network? It's because they are awake. Their consciousness is shifted. And this is that first stage. The purgation then, the second phase, and again, this can, these stages, they're not linear. You take two steps forward, you fall back, then you go out, you come back. It's like walking a labyrinth. Uh, You begin to go towards source, you feel it, and then all of a sudden something shows up in your life and you're thrown off center, and then you go stay steady again. So that third phase, the second phase then is purgation. This is when you're frustrated. You don't know what you should be doing. Why am I doing this? Why am I not getting the answers? And again, it requires that interiority of getting quiet. And the third phase of illumination is literally when one is literally on fire with God. And as uh, Evelyn Underhill uh, defines this, and actually a definition from Nightingale, she, when she was asked, she asked herself the question, what do we mean by God? And she responded, all we can say is that we recognize a power superior to our own. 
that we recognize as power is exercised by wise and goodwill. So this is what each of us have to do. How can we feel this phase of illumination? What is it that places us on fire with our work? Um, I like Nightingale's work, and she called her work her must. So every day when I get up to write, before I go to lecture, uh, I even ask myself today, uh, what is my must? Why am I taking this hour to be with you? And that was really to speak from this place of uh, intention and uh, move this work forward. Um, The fourth phase, then, I've spoken about the first awakening, the second purgation, the third illumination. The fourth is surrender. And this requires that we go deeper into what our journey is about. And within this, we can often face what you certainly know in your work and have addressed is uh, the wounded healer or the dark night of the soul. (laughs) And what this requires is that we get quiet enough to recognize what's not working in our life and find these energy and sources within us, and also access reading, listening to tapes, and learning new skills. And so after the surrender phase is the union phase. And in the mystic description, this is literally feeling that union with the divine, however it is that one would name that. And so if you look at these five phases and explore them, the awakening, the purgation, the illumination and the surrender and the union, you can see it's a a couple of steps forward, and then we feel stuck, and then we have to sit quiet and once again become awakened. (laughs) What is it that drives us to do what it is that we need to do? How do we then do our work where we're not just thinking about little individual me here in my house, my city, But how do we connect with that bigger global vision? Because everything we do at a local level will impact globally. This is not mere metaphor. Literally everything that we do in our life has an impact. So as we can expand our consciousness to stay steady, to take a deep dive into our work, then we become awake and we change anxiety and frustration into informed concern and can clearly articulate a vision for how we work with others to create health and healing for the world. You, you are my champion mystical nurse. That must be your next book, The Mystical <laughs> Nurse. You, you are a mystic yourself by your own definitions now. All right. Let, let, let's take a couple of practical things out of your book. Uh, you, you work with and you, and you encourage people, your, your nurses, to work with touch. Um, and I've seen studies that show touch is an all-important factor, especially with newborn babies. Mm-hmm. How about with adults? Does touch have the same significance with an older population? And and uh, in this day and age, I mean, how do you apply that? I mean, it, do you have to be careful about how you how you go forward with touch? Well, touch is a universal phenomenon, and all of us know what it means to be hugged or touched 
by someone that loves us and just an example. My mom was one that touched, and uh, she has now uh, made her transition. But when I get quiet and when I want to feel that touch of mom, I imagine her being near me and feeling her hands just cupped around my face. And when I would get... uh, when when I would visit her, and I mean, this was whole time growing up, is she had a way of touching my face as well as my brother and sister, and she would just, with her precious way of being, she would just say, I love you so much. And the way she said that, it just, you feel it, I feel it, in my bone, in my blood, and my very being. And so as a nurse, this is one of the privileges that we have in our profession is what it is to touch in a therapeutic manner. So nurses all day long are with patients, with clients, and touch is something that you know how to do skillfully. And there are also times where you know it's not the right time to touch a person, but simply to hold space. And let me say what, and give you an example there. If Please. there is someone who is going through tremendous trauma and they are telling their story, I can be the container to hear that story. But if I reach out to start patting that person's knee or their arm, I could very easily, with that touch, break them for tell- from continuing that story where they are because I'm sharing a story with which they are telling a story, I am listening. And then all of a sudden, if I touch in a certain way, they can break that and all of a sudden they go into their story. Oh, no, I'm talking too much. I've told too much. Oh, she's trying to, she's thinking I need to stop. Do you see what I'm saying? So I do, I do. holding the space. And there are you, times that nurses know exactly when to touch and when not to touch. You you also incorporate, and, and I want our listening audience to know this, because I, I really think that you have a much larger audience for your book, Holistic Nursing, than just nurses. I, you incorporate affirmations. You, you talk about how to do that. You use music. And I am particularly interested in music because, I mean, music heals the savage breast or so. They say, actually, the proper quote, I believe, is music has charms <laughs> to soothe the savage breast. And I think that comes from William Congreve in The Morning Bride. But, I, you know, for years, I've used cymatics to investigate uh, sound and, and look at music. And some music we think of as being organic. I mean, its geometry is just exquisite. And some is totally discordant. Uh, you use music. Is there a protocol that you apply, and is there a kind of music that you prefer to see used? <laughs> uh, there is a wonderful chapter in the book on music, and there is a protocol, but you will see that there are steps of before, beginning, and during, and after with the use of music. Again, the key point here is the nurse or the healthcare provider or the coach, whoever, and what the situation is, we don't choose the music for the patient. We have an array of music, and we ask the patient, is there a type of music that they might want to listen to? 
and then going from there, uh, working with music. Uh, the thing that we do, uh, we can even go back to Florence Nightingale, who wrote about music and notes on nursing. This isn't, this isn't something that music has been around since, you know, the beginning of mankind, right. in a form or another. Uh, and she said, uh, music of stringed instruments and uh, without voice sometimes have a soothing effect. Uh, so again, it is the preference of the person who's listening to the music. And I think we can all, uh, you know, look at our own use of music. What kind of music do we keep in our, you know, CD players? What do we have on our different kind of iPods? And, and uh, what do we listen to? And, and if you're in the car and you don't have the tapes you want, uh, you find yourself punching around on uh, different buttons for stations. What are you doing? You're looking for... Uh, sounds of music that can move you into a space that you would like to be in at that moment in time. So music is an extraordinary facilitator of healing. All right, we're about out of time, and I want everybody to know how to reach out to you, how to get your books, how to learn more about your work. So, you know, give us in 30 seconds, where do we go if I want to know more about Dr. (laughs) Barbara Dossey? Well, first I would invite the listener to go to my uh, um, inursecoach.com website uh, to go to um, www.nightingaledeclaration.net and spelling nightingale with an I, N-I-G-H-T-I-N-G-A-L-E, www.nightingaledeclaration.net. And then my personal website www.dossydossy.com and my last name is D-O-S-S-E-Y and it's Dossy Dossy because I share it with my husband Larry Dossy. Uh, and we're out of time and I could spend another hour talking to you. I wanted to talk to you about so many more things. Uh, we'll have to bring you back. Well, I would love but, to come back and congratulations. Well, we'd love to have you join us again and thank you for being with us today. I want to thank all of you for being here. If you have comments on our show, do let us know. And until next time, remember, believing in yourself always matters. <laughs> 